Will you trust God to take away your fears? Will you trust God to never let go? Will you trust God to catch you when you fall? Will you trust God even when it doesn't add up? Well, good morning, church. How are you? Good to see all of you. Welcome. If you're new with us, we're super excited that you're here. Thank you for choosing to worship with us. We're honored to have you. Uh, if you'll do me a favor, if you're new or this is your first few times, uh, there's a communicator card right in your front seat there. If you'll fill that out, let us know that you're here or any way we can serve you. Uh, we won't pester you or bother you, uh, but if we can serve you in any way, we would love to uh, just let us know that and we'll, we'll come right alongside you. Uh, as well, members, you can fill that out as well. If there's any changes to your uh, personal things that need to be changed, addresses, things like that, you can put that on there. Uh, but there's also a place for prayer requests, praise reports. So uh, that's really important for all of us. Uh, if there's anything we can stand and pray for uh, or anything that God's doing in your life, we want to hear about that. Put that on the communicator card, and you can drop those in our tithe and offering containers on your way out. There are the blue boxes by every door. You can put those right in there. Uh, speaking of tithes and offerings, that's part of our worship. So uh, we love to, it's, it's a joy to bring our first back to God. That's what a tithe is, your first tenth. So we love to bring that to the Lord as well. And so you can do that, make that part of your worship time as well today. Uh, so you can drop both of those into the uh, tithe and offering containers. Uh, well, I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. So uh, just some family business. So if you're new with us, don't worry. You can jump in. You understand family. So this will be easy for you. I've got a couple elders that are really going through a lot. And uh, so our elders, if you don't know, uh, they're kind of the governing body of the church. So the vision of the church, they help govern that and they help govern you know, big decisions in the church. Uh, and so uh, a couple of them are, are struggling with some health issues. In fact, uh, John Oaks, who's... Uh, He's been here since the beginning of the church over uh, almost 30 years now, and so he's got he's got some uh, things going on. He's got they thought they were aneurysms, and then they they found out they were more they're blood clots, and so uh, they're diagnosing, trying to get things uh, in order for him. Uh, so if you could be praying with him, in fact, we'll pray in a moment. Uh, and then uh, Fred or Frank and uh, Marilyn uh, Tenerovich, they're probably all online with us, by the way, too. So they're they're with us even though they're not here. Uh, Frank and Marilyn, they're they're uh, they're kids. Uh, are in the hospital, uh, and I believe Terry just passed. So if you'll be praying for her, um, I believe she just passed. So I'm not, if we'll be praying for them as they go through. So um, let's just be there for them. It's something that we need to be there as a church. So um, let's pray together if you don't mind. Lord, I just thank you for all that you're doing. We pray for Marilyn, we pray for Frank, we pray for uh, John and Weva and their families. So we're just so thankful that we can be there for them. We're thankful, God, that you are in charge of all things. And so we love you, we thank you, and we just uh, appreciate all that you're doing. And so, God, we, we lift up Frank and Marilyn as they go through this, these next few weeks. Not only is there uh, their kids in the hospital, but also their grandkids. And so, God, we need your healing. We don't understand all these things. We need your answers. Like we've heard the last few weeks, we trust you with all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, well, um, if you know Frank and Marilyn, please uh, and send them encouragement, prayers. It would be great, uh, but if you could send them a card or anything like that, you let us know. We'd appreciate that too. All right, open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 8, and uh, we're going to start there, and um, we're going to talk about uh, really just an amazing truth. I, I spoke this in the first service, but also the second service uh, today, making room for God's story. You know, whenever you're going through things, and as a church, as we go through things, how do we make room for God's story? 
Uh, we've been talking about the widow and widow's trust. And so if you've been with us, again, if you're new, you can jump right in. But in 2 Kings, we're talking about uh, Elisha. And uh, there was a woman we talked about last week. Now, she wasn't a widow at the time, uh, but she is now. She's lost her husband, and her husband was older. We learned that first uh, in the first uh, last week. And so they had a son, and their son, if you remember last week, was, uh, you know, it was a miracle baby. She wanted a child. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more today. But we also are going to talk about how um, this this child died, and it was a miracle. Elisha went and laid on this child, prayed over him, and he miraculously got up. And so it just really, really uh, an amazing, amazing miracle and feat that God did. So uh, today, uh, I want to share about how we make room for God's story. And I'm really going to share three things, but let's read 2 Kings chapter 8 together first, and then I want to really talk about these three areas. So starting in verse 1. Uh, then Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come for, uh, upon the, the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines for seven years. It came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Then the, king called with, uh, then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he restored the dead to life, and at the, that uh, there was a woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for the house of her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left until now. This is really an amazing story for many reasons. First and foremost, I want to talk about uh, this widow. And if we can learn anything from her, uh, you really, I want to just share two or three things that we can really learn from her. But first of all, um, this story is remarkable in a lot of ways. If you... I told you last week that she did have a son, uh, but she really, like many of us, how many of you guys have had a dream, something that you really just wanted to see happen in your life, this dream or a passion or uh, really something that you were just believing for, and, uh, and it just hasn't come to pass? Maybe it will someday, but it just hasn't come. But, but how many of you guys have just given up on your dream, on your passion, anybody? I think many of us have been in that place where you just give up. And that's really where this woman was. She, she really wanted a child, but her husband was older, and it was really, if you look at the science and the logics of everything, it was impossible for her to have a son. But in that time, Elisha was coming, and Elisha was coming into town, and, and this, Elisha was a prophet for God. And if you know anything about scriptures, this was, this was somebody in the Old Testament that would, that would speak on God's behalf and really speak powerful things. And so Elisha uh, was a, a successor of Elijah, and last week we shared about how Elijah got called up into heaven and Elisha uh, really took that mantle of Elisha and he began to really walk through the nation and speak on God's behalf to the people. And so when this woman saw Elisha coming into her town, she made room for him. And it says in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, I know I had you turn to chapter 8, but it's just a couple chapters back. But it says in 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to read a portion of that in a second, that she went to Ikea and she bought a bed. You ever been there? You're, you're laughing because you know. You get that little wrench, put that thing together. Uh, but it says in 2 Kings chapter 4 that Eli when, he, when Elisha was in her town or in her area, that she cared for Elisha. She fed him. She took care of him. 
And Elisha was very thankful, very grateful, very appreciative, uh, so much so that uh, this woman had made a bed for him. So when he was in town, he had a place to lay his head, a place to sleep. She told her husband, look, we've got to make a bed for him and a place where the man of God can lay down. And so Elisha came to her in 2 Kings chapter 4, and this is what he said to her. And now, again, you got to remember that she desperately wanted a son, but she never said anything to Elisha about it. And chapter 4, it says this, and verses uh, 13 through 17. Uh, I apologize, I read the first, uh, the first verse. I had another translation for you, but you, I think you're okay, you're on board. Verse 13 in chapter 4 says, Elisha told the woman whose son he had brought back to life, take your family. Oh, wait, no, I'm reading to you the first one, sorry. 2 Kings, eight, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. It says, and he, uh, and he called him saying to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or of the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And when he called her, he stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace his son. And listen to what the woman said. No, my Lord, man of God, Do not lie to your maidservant. She'd given up on her dream. Now, Elisha was so grateful for her, the way she cared for him and took care of him, made a bed for him. And he asked her the question, is there anything I can do for you? And she did not mention anything about her son. She just said, no, I am so grateful. I'm content. I'm so grateful to live here in this land with my people. And Elisha talks to Gehazi, surely there's something this woman would want. And he said, she's wanted a son, but her her husband's way too old and they're outside of childbearing years. And when Elisha spoke prophetically and miraculously from God to her, she didn't believe it. She didn't believe it. You know, I just want you to know if some of you are in here and maybe you've got dreams of your own. You've got things that you've given up on. And maybe... Maybe they were from a long time ago. Maybe just even me saying this. You haven't thought about it for a long time. There's quite a few miracles in this widow's life. But really what's important is she made room for God. She made room for the Lord. Even though her dreams were dashed, she had given up hope on having a son, she still made a bed for the, for the man of God. She still made room for him. She cared for him when he came into town. And look, she didn't have 2 Kings chapter 4 to open up in her Bible and to read. She didn't have this living word of God that you have in your hands today. But when the word of the Lord came to her, she made room for it. When God was speaking to her, she made room for it. And I just want you to know, even if you're maybe where this lady is, and I know our our stories aren't all the same, our, our situations aren't all the same, but maybe you've had a dream in your life that you've given up on. You need to see that Elisha had no knowledge no knowledge of her desire or her dream or her, uh, her want for a son. He had no knowledge of it. But God knew. And he made it aware to Elijah. And even though she'd given up, and even though it seemed medically, physically, and every way impossible for her to have a son, God blessed her. But the important thing we need to learn from this widow is that she made room for God 
regardless of what's going on in her life. She made room for him. What's that look like for you? Now, I know we probably don't have prophets from the Old Testament like Elijah walking into our cities. But I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching online. Making room for God is so important. Sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes it seems like everything we've been working towards or the dream or the things that we have been desired, it seems like it's not gonna happen. But you keep making room for God. Look, we don't always know how it works. In this woman's case, even when Elijah said it, she said, don't lie to me. Like, don't say things like that. Don't get my hopes up. But one thing she didn't give up on, it was making room for God, making room to hear his voice, to hear his word. You know, for us, we need to be like this widow. We need to be intentional about making room for God. Whether it's being in church on Sunday mornings or making room to hear his word, making room to talk to him. Look, I know your dreams may be dashed. I know you may think it's impossible. But if you're anything like me, sometimes your dreams, what you think you see, and when God answers, it's much better when God answers. We have this idea of what we think it should be or what we want it to be. But God can answer in so many different ways, and it's always better when it's his dream and his identity and what he's speaking over you. We don't want to put God in a box to say, God, you have to make my dream happen this way. Because sometimes it's physically, literally, scientifically impossible that it can happen. But when God says, you'll have a son, boom, you're having a son. And so if you're in the room today and you've given up, and I want you to know, look, this is a woman that loved God. You know, I could give another message that says, don't give up, don't ever give up. But even as believers, sometimes we get in a place where we just, we just don't see how it's going to happen. The important lesson we can learn from her is make room for him. Make room for the Lord. We're all human. We don't see the big picture. You make room for the Lord and let him speak. Let him show you. Let him reveal things to you that only he can do. Here's my uh, second point. Make room when it's not your fault. I read in 2 Kings chapter 8, and that's where we'll be for the majority of the day today, but 2 Kings chapter 8 Elisha came, and remember, I I shared last week how Elijah and Elisha had similar situations. They weren't the same. They weren't the same people. They weren't the same circumstances, but they had some similar miracles that kind of mirrored each other, right? There was a famine in the land. There was a famine with Elijah. Now there's a famine with Elisha. But when when Elisha came and said, hey, he came to this widow, and he said, there's a famine coming. I want you to leave, Let me ask you, first of all, was the famine her fault? No. No, the famine wasn't her fault. It's so important that we make room. Look, it may not be your fault. We live in a fallen world. There's going to be situations. We live in a pandemic with COVID. Is it your fault that we have COVID? No. Is it my fault? No. How do we make room for God in the midst of whatever it is? 
Look, it's going, to be, it's going to be something else. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy from you. There's always going to be something that he's trying to take from you. So how do you make room for God in those moments? And here's the second point, or the second part of the second point. Even though it wasn't her fault, she still took responsibility. Even though there was a famine that wasn't her fault, she took responsibility. She obeyed God. She listened. We live in a culture right now that nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. And we want to blame everybody else for everything. And we feel like we're entitled to everything, but we don't care if there's a cost to that entitlement. Listen, take responsibility. Even if it's not your fault. Look, this woman, even though the famine wasn't her fault, Elisha came to her and said, I want you to move to Philistine. For seven years. Now, I don't know how much you know about the Bible, but is Philistine good or bad? Bad. Mostly bad. There's some good in there, I'm sure, but it's mostly bad. David said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? As he spoke to Goliath. Philistine as a nation worshiped other gods. They didn't believe in the one true God. They worshiped a lot of other gods. They had three main gods that they worshiped as a country or as a nation. And here Elijah is telling this widow, I want you to take you and your kids, your household, I want you to, take, I want you to move into enemy territory. So even though the famine's not her fault, she takes responsibility and she leaves everything, her home. In those days, your wealth or prosperity was your crops, your livestock, your, your things that you grow and your resources. She left it all. And for seven years, all we know about the seven years is she went and she came back. That's all we know. So it wasn't her fault, but she took responsibility. She listened to God. She made room for the Lord. She obeyed the Lord and she went to Philistine for seven years. I wonder what it was like for those seven years. You might describe it like this, or maybe I would describe it like this. She was in survival mode for seven years. Have you ever been in survival mode in your life? Like you're just getting through day by day. You know, the enemy loves to prowl on that survival mode. Again, he's walking around you like a, like a roaring lion for those he may devour, which means you have to give him, you have to give him the opportunity or you have to let him in to devour you. That's the reality we live in in survival mode is you're, you're just trying to get through life. You're doing the best you can, by the way. And the enemy loves to come in those moments and shame you and blame you. Even though it wasn't her fault, I'm sure she heard the lies of the enemy. As she lived in Philistine, a land that was so far from the one true God, now she's living. Imagine that she left in Old Testament, Jerusalem is where you went to worship. She left her church and her place and the Holy of Holies, all of those things. She left it all and she, she moved to Philistine, a foreign place where she's a foreigner. She left all her relationships, her relatives. All she had was her household. And for seven years, she lived in the land of enemies. Now, I believe this passage is also prophetic. And I believe it's prophetic because I believe it speaks to us in a different way. God told her that you would, or 
Elisha came to her and spoke for the Lord and said, I want you to move to Philistine for seven years. So she knew there was a time limit, right? She knew that in seven years that she'd be coming back. Now she didn't know if she'd be getting her house back. She didn't know she'd be getting any stuff back. All she knew is that she had to go for seven and come back. Well, I believe it's prophetic because Jesus has said the same thing to us. He came to earth. He died for us. He made the church. He sent the Holy Spirit. And he said, I'll be back. Maybe it'll be seven years, seven months, seven days. Lord Jesus, seven minutes would be great. But it's prophetic in the sense that God is going to come again. Jesus is going to come again. And until he does, we need to be the church. We live in foreign land right now. We live in enemy territory, don't we? Jesus is God, but he's not the God of this earth. This earth is going to go away. Everything you see and know and touch and feel and sense is going to go away. And he's going to make a new Jerusalem, and we're going to spend all eternity with God there. But until he comes again, we're here. You know, the, the, uh, the gospel says it this way. You're aliens, not the Hollywood aliens. Not the ones with big foreheads and big eyes. We're aliens. But you have the most powerful message on the planet. And just like this lady for seven years lived in Philistine, we're to live on this earth and testify of a good God. We're to testify of a great God. And regardless of if it's your, if it's your fault or not, you take responsibility. In fact, I want to talk about, for those of you, because there's probably many of you sitting here or watching that says, what happens when it is my fault? Maybe you're sitting here watching and saying, man, I messed up last night. I messed up yesterday. I mess up all the time. Is there hope for me? Absolutely there is. But for those of you that are like this, this widow, you're following God. She was told by God to go there. It wasn't her fault. Even though she's living in enemy territory, she's not the enemy. She's the blessing. She's the one that God sent there. She's the family that God sent into enemy territory. So don't let the enemy belittle you and shame you. You keep making room for God and watch and see what will happen. We don't know what happened that seven years, but we do know what happened when she came back. But you keep making room. Look, if your dreams have been dashed or you've given up, you keep making room for God. Whether it's your fault or not, you keep making room for God. And here's my final point, and we'll probably we'll spend the rest of the morning here. As you make, for, you make room for God to restore. This is the beautiful part about this story, and I want to spend most of the time on these last couple passages. In uh, 2 Kings chapter 8, and verse 4, I want you to see this because it's, I'm going, to talk, I'm going to end with the widow, but I want to talk about Gehazi for a second. You guys remember who Gehazi is, right? Gehazi was the worker, right? He was the one that worked with Elisha. He was the man of God that worked with Elisha. 
He was the one that told Elisha that this woman wants the baby. Now watch this, verse four. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me, please, tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now we know he told the story about the woman and the son rising from the dead because we have it here in passage. But what else did he say? What else did Gehazi, and look, I encourage you today, we're in chapter eight. Just read the first seven chapters up to chapter eight and look at what God did through Elisha. And so I think the conversation went a lot like this. The king came to Gehazi and said, tell me all the things God has done through Elisha. Man, well, it started. It started when Elijah, man, his chariot came down from heaven, took him right up. Craziest thing I've ever seen with my own eyes. This man went right up. We got to watch it. We got to see it. And then right after that, Elijah went to some water, just like Elijah had done. And he parted the waters. God parted the waters right through Elijah. It was crazy, king. I mean, they just went right like that, and he just walked right through, just like Moses, but not Moses. And then Elijah was talking to some people Shortly after he split the sea and this water, this water that uh, the, this people had been using was bitter. They couldn't use it to, for their crops. They couldn't use it for their, their livestock. They couldn't drink it themselves. It was so bitter, it was so poisoned. And so King Elisha got this bowl of salt and he made this mixture and he poured it in the water. And to this day, that water's clean. You can drink it today. You can water your crops. You can feed the livestock. And the king's like, yeah, tell me more. Tell me, was there more? Oh, there's more. One day he walked in and there was a widow and she was, had no oil. And Elijah and God spoke to her and said, look, God loves to make something from nothing. So you go get some containers from your neighbors. Line them up, get all the containers there. And supernaturally, just like that, God started filling up those jars with oil. And the king, you mean there was... There was oil, they were pouring it. No, they just filled up with the oil out of nowhere. What else? The king said, what else? He said, well, well, there was this one time where these young punks, these young punks came up to Elijah and Elijah has no hair. And they said, hey, look at you, baldy. And they started harassing him, these young punks. Yeah, yeah, what happened? You don't want to know what happened. Yeah, he said, they cursed him and these two female bears came and ate all 42 of them. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's a bad story. Let's go on. Let's keep talking about it. Let's move on. You don't believe me? It's all in there. The first six chapters. And then as he's telling the king these stories, and then there was this woman. Yeah, I heard about this woman. The, the one that lost her husband. Yeah, the, he got old and, and you know, she wanted a son and Elijah said, you're going to have a son someday. And she said, don't you lie to me. And Elijah spoke. And God said, you're going to have a son a year from now. And she had a son. And he grew and he got older in age. And all of a sudden, this head, his head started hurting. And he fell over dead. Fell over dead. So Elisha, or the woman, you know, the widow, she the bed that she had made for Elisha to sleep on, she took her child and laid him on the bed, laid him on the same bed that she made for Elisha. 
And Elijah came to her house, laid on the sun three times. And all of a sudden, the sun came back to life, sneezed. How many times? Seven times he sneezed. Seven times. And then here's the mic drop moment. Oh, and there she is, walking in with her son. That's the boy. That's the one that rose from the grave. The king, really? That's her? That's her. Let me talk to her. Now, I skipped one miracle, and I did this purposely. There was a man named Naaman. Naaman was a commander of armies. He had a lot of power and authority. But all of a sudden, he got leprosy. And when he got leprosy, if you know anything about the Old Testament, leprosy is uh, similar to COVID in a lot of ways. You've got to go, like, quarantine. You've got to get away from everybody. In fact, in the Old Testament, if you had leprosy, if you were walking by somebody, you have to say, I'm unclean, unclean. And you'd have to get away from each other. And so Naaman had leprosy. And his little serv- there was a servant of hers, a little girl, said, you need to go see Elijah. And he said, who's Elijah? So, well, here's, here's where he goes. You've got to meet him out there. You need to go see him. And so he went and met Elijah, leprous. And Elijah said, if you want to be clean, if you want to be healed, you need to go to the Jordan and you need to wash. How many times? Seven times. Anybody been to Israel? Anybody else? Was the Jordan clean? You don't want to be dipping leprosy in no Jordan. Naaman was mad. He was upset. Now, he had power. He probably had plenty of, like, clean water places he could have went. So he was upset. He was furious. And then all of a sudden, his people got around Naaman and said, Naaman, you need to listen to Elijah. That man knows what he's talking about. And so Naaman finally went to the Jordan, washed seven times. And miraculously, on the seventh time, he came out of the water, totally healed. And Naaman was so grateful, so appreciative. Again, a man of probably much wealth and stature. And he, he came back to Elisha and he said, Elisha, I wanted to give you some gifts. And you can read about it. Amazing gifts, a lot of gifts he brought to Elisha. And Elisha said, hey, hey, hey. This is for God's glory. I don't need the gifts. God healed you. I'm grateful and I'm thankful too. But this is not about me getting gifts for doing this. This is about God healed you. And he sent Naaman away. And Naaman took the gifts with him. Now, this is where the story takes a turn. And this is where many of you may identify with Gehazi because some of you are like Gehazi. So as Naaman goes away, Gehazi runs after him. And he says, hey, 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 Naaman, 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 Naaman. Uh, In his pride, in his selfishness, in his greed, and no mistake about it, this was sin. Hey, Naaman, Naaman, hey, uh, Elisha changed his mind. He wants the gifts back. And Gehazi takes the gifts, steals the gifts for himself. And Elisha somehow has understanding, knowledge of this. And he said, Gehazi, what have you done? Why did you take those gifts? Why did you run and take those gifts? Because you've taken those gifts, Gehazi, you and your family now have leprosy. And now Gehazi was leprous. You see, some of you may identify with him because it was his fault. It was his fault. 
Gehazi was wrong. It was sin. It was pride. It was selfishness. He was wrong. But let me ask you a question. How is Gehazi talking to the king if he's got leprosy? You can't talk to the king when you have leprosy. It's against the law. You can't talk to the king when you have leprosy. So even though Gehazi made a mistake and sinned and took those belongings and now had leprosy, God somehow healed Gehazi. And now Gehazi's standing in front of the king telling about all these miracles and all these good things. And I'm sure, look, I'm a miracle. Look, I'm healed. You see, listen, if you're sitting there saying, look, I've made a lot of mistakes. All of us have. Romans says every single one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes. That's the truth and that's the reality. But some of you are saying, yeah, but my mistakes are much bigger. Listen, we, it doesn't matter how big it is. What matters is if you'll make room for God. You see, Gehazi made room for God. You've got to take responsibility. You've got to say you're sorry. You've got to repent. You've got to come to a place to say, look, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Elisha, that I did that. I'm sorry, God, that I stole from you. I'm sorry. And it's in those moments God begins to restore, 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 restore. For Gehazi, he got his life back from unclean to clean. But you've got to take responsibility. We all do. It doesn't matter whether it's your fault or this one's fault. Let's be people that says, God, I want to make room for you. What do you want me to do? If you asked me to move for seven years to an enemy land, would you go? If your dreams are dashed and God comes into town, would you make room for him? If you've blown it over and over and over again, would you make room for him? Look, that's the difference. The difference isn't whether you've blown it or not. The difference is is that you truly want to make room for the Lord in your heart. That you want to make it right. That you want to take responsibility. Or maybe you're like this woman, this widow. It's not your fault. You didn't sin. You didn't make a mistake. But will you obey and listen? Will you follow God? I promise you that had to be the hardest conversation to sit down with their household and say, hey guys, there's a famine coming and we're gonna leave all your friends. We're gonna leave your school. We're gonna leave our relatives just for a time. All your toys, all your things, all your, the house, your bedrooms, your beds. We gotta go to Philistine. And the kids would know, the kids would have known, <laughs> Philistine, the Browns, come on. I'm sorry if you're a Browns fan. We're going to Cleveland? We're going to Philistine? Yeah, just for seven years. God promised seven years. Okay, mom, would you go? Would you lead your household? Would you make room? It wasn't your fault, but God has a plan. God has a story. God has something he's doing. And if you read the rest of the story, the woman comes back after seven years with her 
son that raised from the grave and walks into the king's palace and the king says, tell me, tell me, tell me about your story. And remember in her heart, she wanted to ask for her stuff back and she did. Now in Israel's days, in Old Testament days, this is how we know she was a widow. It was in her name. Normally it would be in the man's name. But there's a few instances where it would transfer to the widow. And the king says, give her back her home, give back her land, and all the salary or all the income she lost for seven years, you pay it all back. You pay it all back. Make room for God's story. All she asked for was her house back and her land back. She didn't ask for the income for the past seven years. How would you have reacted if the king just cut you a check for seven years of your income? Yeah, but John, it was a hard seven years in Philistine. Make room for God's story. We're the church. We are in enemy territory. We do live in enemy land. And God is using you, and he's using you, and he's using me. My greatest prayer for all of us is, is that, look, I want to share your testimony. Not personally, but I want to tell everybody what God's doing. When that king said, Gazi, tell me what Elisha's doing. I want to be able to say, you got to know what this guy's doing. you got to know what this girl's doing. Not your name, his name. you got to see what God's doing through them. This one got up. This one was healed. This one's prodigal came home. This one was healed from all these things. This one made a terrible mistake, but God graced them, forgave them, blessed them. This one was angry and frustrated, was hard to deal with, could hardly talk to him, but now the most loving person you'd ever know. You see, what's interesting to me about this is this king, this king was not a good king. This king wanted to know what God is doing. I promise you, the world wants to know what you're doing. The world wants to know what God is doing in you. They want to hear your testimony. They want to hear your story. They want to see these things. You know what they want to see? They want to see the God inside of you. And what and you want to know what that looks like? Well, well, no, I've never had a son raised from the dead. Look, you're not going to have the same story as this widow. But you have the same spirit as this widow had. You have the same spirit that's in you. Galatians 5. You have the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. This world wants everything you have, I promise you. They may not know how to say it, but they wanna know about how you love people. You know why? Because they can't experience love until they know love. They can't experience joy until they know joy. They may have a fabricated counterfeit idea of it because the enemy's doing it all the time, but you're the only one, I'm the only one because of Christ that has true love, true joy, gentleness and kindness and goodness and grace. It's you, it's me. That's why you're the hope of the world. And everybody wants to know about it. I understand that everything is confusing in our land right now. We live in enemy territory, but you keep doing your best. You keep making room for God. You keep living out his principles. I don't care if it's popular or not, you do it. Live it out. Trust me, it was not popular when they came marching into Philistine to live like this. It doesn't matter if no one else is doing it. I'm not talking about being legalistic and ritualistic and, and just bashing people with the scripture. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Displaying, just living it out. Just live it out. Why? 
Because he loves you and you love him. Why? Because you know he knows what's best for you and what's best for me. And regardless if the world's doing it or not, we're gonna display what a great God we have. And I promise you, maybe it won't be a king like this story, but what if it's your coworker? What if it's your family? A family just shared with me last week how they got to share their faith. They actually learned about it in our kids' ministry. They, learned, they did a visual about how God cleansed us from our sins. And they got to share that with their mom who was in a nursing home. You see, you never know. Make room for God's story. You gotta make room. Let's not be Christ followers that complain and bicker. Let's not be Christ followers that don't take responsibility. Let's take responsibility. Let's be Christ followers that is, we're proud to live out our faith. We're proud to talk about our Lord Jesus. We're proud to be his church. We're proud to gather on Sunday mornings. We're proud to come together. Let's be a people that live out our faith. Every human being on the planet wants to know God. And Christ will come again, but he wants every person on the planet to hear his message. And he's gonna use you to do it, me to do it, you to do it, you online to do it. Maybe you're in another country. They're gonna use you to do it in another country. Go into all nations. Go into all nations. Making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we're to do. Once you stand your feet, I just want to pray for you. Just close your eyes for a second. Look, don't worry about the other people around you. Just you and God thinking about it. Ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you saying to me? And here's what God's saying to you. Will you make room for me? Will you make room? Let's not make excuses of why we can't do it. God is saying to you, will you make room for me? Whatever you're going through right here, right now, will you make room for me? But God, it's my fault. It's okay. Take responsibility. Make room for me. But God, I've sinned. I died to forgive you. Just right there in your seat, you make room for Jesus. You just say, Lord, I need you. Maybe you're in survival mode right now. Maybe you've been going a long time and you've just been, remember, you're, you're not running from God. God told you to go there. You're not running from God. Keep living it out. I like to tell people, as you sit there with your eyes, I like to tell people, maybe you're not hearing God right now. You remember what the last thing God told you and you stay faithful to that. Whatever he said to you before, hang on that. Surround yourself with people that love Jesus like you. Get that encouragement. While you're down, let them lift you up. Maybe you're in survival mode. Let them help you. Let them come alongside you. This woman didn't have anybody when she moved, but we have the church. You have brothers and sisters right next to you. You can come pray for people at any time after service. You can come up and pray for people. You can go out to the lobby, ask for prayer. Somebody will pray with you. If you're in survival mode, 
Let some people be there to build you up, to help you. And you just remember as you're going through it, you are doing your best. God is not disappointed with you. He's not disappointed with you. This is not, God is not shaming you. He's not mad at you. We live in a fallen world. We're gonna encounter some stuff. Jesus said that would be true. Look, they hung our Lord on the cross. We're definitely gonna feel an impact. We do live in enemy territory. But God has blessed you, sent you the Holy Spirit. You're not meant to do this alone. You've got God in you. You've got others around you. This is why you're here this morning. And if you're online right now, look, I know it's different. I know you're at home. You're not around maybe anybody. I want you to know we're here for you. Email us. Let us know. We'd love to pray with you. We'll come visit you. If that's what you want, we'll come visit you. Lord, I just thank you for this church. Will we make room for you, Lord? That's the question, Lord. In our own hearts, in our own voices, in our own answers, we answer you. My prayer is, is that all of us would come to a place to say, yes, Lord, I'll make room for you. If you were to ask me to go to Philistine, I'd go. Lord, if my dreams were dead and you said, yeah, but I have an answer to your dream right here, I, Lord, I would receive it. Lord, if I was like Gehazi and I made a huge mistake, I sinned against you and I sinned against my friend or my people, God, I'd make it right. I'd take responsibility. And then I'd change my thinking. I'd change how I live. And I'd need you to help me do that. And so, Lord, if somebody needs salvation today, now's the day. Today's the day of salvation. Receive Jesus. Ask Jesus to come in your heart. That's simple. That's simple. And God knows if it's real. Look, these aren't just aren't failed words. If you really want Jesus, he'll meet you right there. If you need forgiven, he'll meet you right there. If you need strength, he'll meet you right there. In Jesus' name, everyone said. We're going to worship together, and I just want to sing the truth that you learned, all right? I want you to sing. This is a new song, but you'll catch on real quick. I just want you to sing what you learned. You know, I don't know about you, but music sticks in my head. You might be singing this for the rest of the day, but it'll be a good thing, all right? Let's worship together.